you have your Bibles, you can open up, or your phones, or whatever instrument you're looking at the scripture, Second uh, Peter chapter 1. Again, as we've been going through this uh, precious marriage series, we've looked at our precious faith, and again, with the precious faith, we agreed with what God says about us is true. We're sinners in need of a savior um, and, and that we've accepted God's gift of love and grace through, as Peter tells us, the precious blood of Jesus Christ, which is forgiveness of sins, eternal life through Jesus. We've added to our faith virtue. We saw again last week that our actions behavior um, should really speak of someone that is in a love relationship with Jesus again. That's kind of the last week when we looked at that virtue. Our action and behavior should look like people who are in love with Jesus, as well as, in this scenario, in love with ourselves. Listen, before I was married, before I even knew that Mary Powers existed on the planet, um, but I used to, when I used to go to church, I used to sit and look and watch couples. And I would watch couples and I would see some that like, I looked at them and I said, man, they just seem like they are so in love with each other. And I used to watch them and kind of say, that's somebody that I want to emulate. Now, again, I know sometimes once a week we can go to church and put on an act or whatever the case may be. But I, I actually, you know, if you do that week after week, you know, people don't keep up that act that long. But there were some of those couples I looked at and said, that's exactly how I want my marriage to be. And I remember thinking that and being there. But as well, I also saw some couples and I'm thinking, I don't ever want to have my marriage look like that. I don't want to act like that, nor do I want to be treated like that. But again, we are commanded by God that virtue to, in a sense, watch over the way in which we act and that we behave. We, we looked at last week, again, for the husbands, um, being the manliness or the men of valor, valor, men of courage, in a sense of standing up for that which is right. For the ladies, we looked at the virtuous woman out of Proverbs 31 and, and all that that described. And now we're going to continue on down our list of things to add to. And the next thing on our list that we're going to see is the word knowledge. Uh, and, and again, this knowledge is not intellectual pursuits, but it's spiritual knowledge. As well as this is the experiential kind of, of knowledge. It's the taste and see that the Lord is good. In fact, when we read these verses in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, listen as Peter describes not only his relationship, but what he believes should be our relationship with God. And he talks about this knowledge that we're going to be talking about tonight. So 1 Peter Chapter 1, Simon Peter, a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Already he's God, already he is Savior. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. He's not only God, he's not only Savior, but he's, he is the Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. And again, I just absolutely, every time I'm reading that, and I read that verse a lot, I'm just so 
that just so grips me that Peter would say that all things that pertain to life and God is like everything. It's kind of like that Colossians, you know, all things through him, all things consist and exist in a sense. But he's saying all things there. Verse four, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, listen again, you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, love. For, again, listen as he talk, tells us these things, if these things are yours and abound, if these things that we're looking at, this list, are ours, in a sense that we have looked at them, we've allowed them to be a part of our lives, we're implementing them within our lives. Peter would tell us, if they are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even a blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly and to the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I just love this. Again, add to your virtue knowledge. You know, a few weeks back, both Pastor Jeff, we had Pastor Chet here sharing with us. And they both talked about how Jesus is the one who tore the veil. Uh, in that 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 uh, temple, there he's the one who tore the veil, um, which was the separation between God and man. And if you guys have been going to the Hebrew study, Pastor Jeff has been talking about that pretty continuously. Uh, but but again, it, it's it's that separation between man and God, uh, and Jesus is the one who tore that veil so that we could boldly enter the throne of grace and find uh, mercy in time of need. A.W. Tozer says this. He wrote a book called The Pursuit of God. I'm actually going through it right now. Great little book. Anyways, but he says the veil was torn so that we could come face to face with the love, with the comfort, with the peace of God, and that we would experience this God just like a child would climb into the lap of the father and cry out, Daddy. And now picture that. Again, for those who've had kids or are going to have kids, uh, you, you have the little one. And when they come up and they, I know for a dad, when they jump up in your lap and stuff, and they just, they just want to be with you. And we can remember that. And yet, and yet, almighty God, we get to climb into his lap. And we get to cry, Abba. We get to cry, Father. We get to cry, Daddy. Because of what Jesus Christ did for us upon the cross. Hebrews 10, 19, again, as Pastor Jeff is getting there. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us, through the veil that is his flesh, having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our body washed in pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another in order to stir up to love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So 
add to your faith virtue to virtue knowledge. So we'll let the ladies start. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so as Pat just read, uh, tonight we're going to look at that just for this reason, um, giving all diligence. That Remember, we talked about how that meant you need to, this needs to be of utmost importance to us. Add or supplement your faith with virtue and to virtue knowledge. Now, remember that we said a couple weeks ago that this is important because Peter is warning the readers about coming um, heresy and false teaching and apostasy that's going to come even in, to the church. He wants his readers to be aware and to be prepared. And as Pat pointed out, we started with the foundation of faith, faith in Jesus Christ, and then we added uh, virtue or moral excellence to that faith. And tonight we're going to continue to add to that faith and we're going to add knowledge. And as he pointed out, it's spiritual knowledge of God and of his word. Knowing what God's word says and how to live it out, how to live out that truth in our lives. John Corson said this in a little commentary that I read. Virtue the, the word that we looked at last week, virtue keeps my mind clean and cleared out so that there is room for spiritual truth to reside. So my mind is ready to hear and receive God's word and to grow in the knowledge of my Savior. And I like that because all of these words, as we talked about last week, kind of like vitamins, you don't just, okay, I'm going to try faith for a while. I think I'll try virtue for a while. They build upon one another. They, they work together. They're all important. We're just studying them week by week, but they're all necessary if we want to grow in the Lord. And so I love that idea of that virtue, just that moral excellence, that valor, that just integrity. It means that my mind is pure and clean so that God's word can fill it up and reside there. That's why I love the verse, and I think I've read this every week, but in, it's also found in 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight for us as ladies. Growing in grace as well as in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To know Jesus literally means to grow deeper in my walk with him. And so, too, in my relationship with my spouse, uh, as I get to know him better, is to, for our relationship to grow deeper. If we didn't spend any time together, if we never talked, if I didn't make any effort at all, or if he didn't make any effort to get to know me any better, the relationship would start doing this. And you look around in the world that we live in. That's exactly what you see happening. People made an effort for a short while when dating or when they wanted to win the spouse, but after that, no effort is made and relationships grow apart. They don't grow deeper. Yet the Lord has a better way for us, not only in our relationship with him, but also in our relationship with our spouse. This word knowledge, as Pat pointed out, in uh, the Greek, it's Gnosis, which means to know experientially, or it's uh, primarily to a seeking to know. It's not just I went to a classroom and I learned something. There's a desire in the heart. I want to know how that works. I want to know why that's the way it is. It's an inquiry. It's an investigative heart. To know, but to know by experience, not just to know a bunch of facts in our brain. You know, uh, we used to live up in Washington, and it's a rural area. And uh, MapQuest doesn't always work up there very well. And sometimes there's little dirt roads and things that are people just created. So, it, um, And sometimes you go and your Internet doesn't work as well. So you can't rely on your little phone all the time. 
And if you ask people for directions, they often include things like, turn at the big oak tree at the, on the left, or after the third red mailbox, then turn right, or go just past the gravel road, and then when you see that tree house over there, go to the left. So that's how a lot of times directions are, in, like especially on Whidbey Island. It was often easy to get lost and turned around, even stuck or even afraid. In fact, I, more than once I had to call Pat and say, they told me to turn, the driveway was the first one on the right, but I'm stuck in this mud or the water's all around me or something like that. So you had to pay attention to these directions. But what I found to be true is once you have been there though and made it to that destination, even with all those kind of crazy um, directions and instructions, the next time you go, it's familiar. You're like, oh yeah, there's the birdhouse, there's the oak tree, there's the red mailbox. And you recognize it because you've learned by experience. You've been there once, so the next time it's not quite so scary. It's not so like, okay, wait, I know where I'm going because there's that, you know, that marker, that, that experience that I've been through once, so I will recognize it the next time through. And you know, that's just a great spiritual analogy of what we're talking about tonight with the Lord and with God's word. When we read it and when we live it out, when we stand upon God's promises and we live them out, we know by experience that they're true. Now we can come to church every week and hear all the promises, oh yeah, you know, Romans 8, 28 or this or that. But if we don't ever live them, we're not experiencing it for ourselves. And then when the trials come, we don't know what to do. We're afraid, uh, what do I do now? But yet, when we've lived the promises out, when we've walked through the trials and the fire and the hard things and the problems, and we found God's word to be true in our lives, we've lived it out experientially. There's knowledge in our heart, like, no, 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 I've been here before, and God was faithful last time. He was true to his word. His word was true to me, and he can be trusted, and so can his word. And so, too, in our relationship with our spouse. We're going to let each other down. You might as well just settle that right here and now. We're sinners. We're going to sin, and we're not always going to be the perfect spouse, but God won't let us down. His word won't let us down. And when those, those trials or those disagreements or those problems come, the Lord can offer us wisdom and knowledge on how to respond, how to proceed in those difficult circumstances, how to resolve problems, how to forgive one another, how to restore things that have, have happened when we've wounded one another. And again, it might be a little scary at first, like I was talking about driving when you don't know where you're going. It might be a little scary at first to trust the Lord, but as he proves himself faithful over and over and true to his word, we will learn to know by experience to trust him more and more and with everything. We don't just know about the Lord, we know him through our experiences. Now, the spiritual knowledge that, Paul, that Peter is referring to is not education or degrees or just an abundance of random information in our minds. Even random Bible verses. You know, as kids, we can get prizes and everything to you know, learn all those scriptures and those memory verses. And there's, that's absolutely wonderful, except that if we don't apply them to our lives, if we don't walk them out, then it's just information stuck in our brain, and then it's not valuable. It's somewhat useless to us. Those things can even make us kind of proud and arrogant, you know, without the Lord and his spirit convicting my heart. You know, and I think in our relationship with, this, with your spouse, no husband wants to be married to Mrs. Know-it-all wife. You know, no, husbands don't really like that. 
Or husbands don't want to be married to the Holy Spirit monitor, always telling him, oh, you know, the word of God says, oh, you know, they don't need that. We aren't the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And that does, that's not healthy or that's not going to build our relationship. It's only going to cause division. Godly knowledge is going to be combined with the other words that we've been looking at, with faith, with virtue, and, and other words that we're going to look ahead in the weeks ahead as well, patience, godliness, kindness, and love. That's the kind of knowledge that, that Peter is speaking of here. That's why Paul warns us in 1 Corinthians 8, uh, verse 1b, it says this, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. We're going to get to love later, but it, it's... Uh, necessary to add that here because this isn't about just gaining a bunch of wisdom and understanding and knowledge it's about um, knowledge that will be implemented in my life so that I can be the best wife I can be I can be the best follower of Jesus that I can be you know that old cliche is true it's not what you know but who you know that's why in John 17 3 this is what it says and this is life eternal, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is all about knowledge of Jesus, our Savior, and knowledge of his word. Not just knowledge for the sake of, I'm smarter than you, and I'm going to tell you what to do. Because that's not going to edify in our relationship. This word knowledge can be translated in other versions as spiritual understanding, insight, to know God better and what he wants you to do. And I really that really convicted me. What he wants me to do, not what he wants me to tell my husband to do, what he wants me to do in this journey of life. And practically in our marriages, if I want to know my spouse better, I need to find out what might bless him and what might enhance our relationship and not always be telling him what he needs to be doing. You know, think about it. When you were dating, you wanted to know everything about your spouse, the birthday, your shoe size, your favorite food, your likes, your dislikes. It gave us an opportunity as women to know them better, to draw closer to them. If I want my, my marriage to continue to thrive, that shouldn't stop. I There's still... No, more for me to know about this guy sitting next to me and I need to make the time and the effort to get to know him more especially through the changing seasons of life we're all in different places newly married some of us have been married for a long time raising kids having grandkids had no kids careers there's all kinds of seasons that each of us might be walking through and each one is a new opportunity for us to get to know one another better and so too with our savior jesus if i say that i love jesus i should continue to want to know him better i should want to know everything there is to know about jesus i should be inquiring investigating seeking to know him through prayer and through his word colossians 2 3 says this in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus can, has everything, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If you want to be smart, if you want to know important things, come to Jesus because he has the treasure chest full of wisdom and knowledge. The world tries to offer us knowledge, but just listen to the news. I mean, watching the whole ebb and flow of COVID and the opinions and the wisdom keeps changing week by week. But that's not so. When you come to Jesus, he is the treasure of true wisdom and knowledge. If you need to know as a, as a wife, what am I supposed to do? What should I say? When should I say it? How do I respond to this situation? Colossians just gave us the answer. In whom is hidden 
all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Jesus, everything is hidden, all wisdom, all knowledge, whatever I might have need of, Jesus has got an answer for me. Second Peter 1-2, Pat already read that. Did you notice in those verses, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace are sort of like rewards to us. They're going to be multiplied to us as we choose to deepen our relationship with Jesus. As we choose to experience Jesus in a deeper way, we get the rewards of his grace and his peace. And also in verse 3, Pat read, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Whatever we need to live a godly life, whatever you think you might need to live a godly life, Jesus will give it to us, and our job is simply to know him better. That's all that verse tells us we have to do is through the knowledge of him. As we get to know him better, everything that pertains to life and godliness, he's going to give to us. Now, that's simple, but it's not always easy because, you know, sadly, I'm not always drawing near to Jesus. Sometimes my flesh begins to trust in my own knowledge. Oh, I got this. I understand. I, I know what he's like when he's like this. And I start trusting in myself and what I think I know. Or, or I trust in what the world's telling me. In the news or, you know, important people. Oh, if they said to do it, then that must be true. If it's in the Star magazine, of course it must be true. And yet this is what the Proverbs tell us in 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lead not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. I know that's a, a famous promise verse for most of us, but what I love about it is just I need to be trusting in the Lord with all of my heart. I need to not be trusting in my understanding. In everything, I need to be following him so that he can direct my path. When I'm looking to Jesus for all of my questions, all my issues, all the concerns, that is the wisest place for me to be. Just like I was talking about those rural directions, when problems arise, it can feel like you're going down a dirt road and you have no idea where you're going. But when I've experienced the faithfulness of Jesus, I can look back and say, wait, wait, wait. I remember how Jesus got me through this situation last time or a similar situation. He's not going to let me down in this situation I can look back to his faithfulness and be assured that I am safe in him. John 8, 32 says this, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. As I read and study and investigate the word of God, I should be changing. I should be growing. I should be more willing to follow Jesus in whatever he asks me to do. And my heart will experience the freedom of knowing my Savior better each and every day. Philippians 3.8 says, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Knowing Jesus should be our highest priority, ladies. It should be the number one thing. He should be the number one thing in our world. Everything else will fall into place according to his plan when I put my trust in him. I will be the best wife I can be when my heart is abiding in Jesus. And the opposite is true as well. I won't be the best wife that I can be when my heart is abiding in this world or my understanding or my anger or frustration or all those other fill-in-the-blank negative things. But when I trust in Jesus, I can be all that God desires me to be. Proverbs 24 verses 3 and 4 says this, Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasing riches. 
I, I love that Proverbs because, you know, it kind of reminds me of, okay, here's homemaking 101. Me knowing God better fills our home with all of his precious and pleasing riches. Now, they're not riches that I'm going to get at, at the Home Shopping Club or at Ross or whatever. They're the riches of joy and peace and love and patience and the things that you want your home to be filled with that will that make a home all that it's supposed to be in a sanctuary for your marriage and for your spouse. It's better than shopping that we talked about last week. These are the riches that God provides. There's one last bonus for us ladies when we choose to add godly knowledge to our lives. Well, there's more than one, but this is the last one I'm going to talk about. Whenever we can. There's one more bonus reason that we should be adding godly knowledge to our lives. That's found in 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. I love this because as we choose to walk with the Lord and plug into him, gain his knowledge, his understanding, he's going to make us who we are supposed to be. He's going to bless our relationship. We're going to be the best wife that we can be. And he is going to use us to spread the knowledge of Christ because it says through us, he's going to diffuse. How many of you have those little diffuser things, those little sticks that you stick in the oil and it sends the fragrance into your house? Well, that's exactly what Jesus wants to do through you and me as wives, as godly wives. He wants to spread the knowledge of himself everywhere we go, especially in our homes. Just like sweet perfume, we get to be the amazing aroma of Jesus throughout this dark and hurting world and look around people are hopeless people are hurting and yet we can be that sweet fragrance wherever we go where people look and say whatever you have I want to know about it we get to bring Jesus to a dark world and not only that in particular we get to bring Jesus into our homes and for our husbands as well amen amen yeah, you know, funny thing, when she was talking about the directions on the island, where where our church was at, um, you drove down this road, and out in the middle of the field, there was this huge red door, just like two posts and this big old red door. So you always say, go to the red door, and you take a right, and that's how you get to the church. <laughs> Anyways, add to your, add to virtue knowledge, and again, the knowledge that comes through experience I kind of were very similar in what the Lord led us in talking about um, I'm putting together a trip to go to Uganda South Sudan um, and we're looking at going right after Christmas we've gone there um, to Uganda about four or five times and, and again this is this is how the trip usually works it's it's at least 23 to 26 hours of flying and then you land and you get on a, uh, in a bus and you take an eight-hour bus ride. So just in putting together this trip and thinking about it, my bottom started getting sore just thinking about it. Why is that? Because I have experiential knowledge. I know what it's like to do 32 hours of traveling before you get to a place with a bed. And yet even in that, I'm, and listen, I'm still encouraging myself, Pat, it's all worth it. The pastors that we get to encourage, man, they're going to be blessed. And, and God, you know, even through all of that, I'm encouraging myself. And listen, I haven't even gotten on a plane. I'm just thinking about it. But, but again, that's the experiential knowledge of what you know is about to happen. And yet, what about 
the, 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 the spiritual side of things. And that's really what he's talking about here. Do we have the spiritual knowledge of what Peter's talking about? Can we say that we have this like precious faith? Listen, it, it's a faith that's so real because we've experienced it. Just like John would say in the very next book after 2 Peter for John, where John says, that which we've heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon, our hands have handled, concerning the word of life. Again, John describing, just like Peter, that even their senses, the, the seeing, the hearing, the touching, was involved in their relationship with God. And because of this, again, they have that gnosko, that experiential knowledge, in a sense that this is not just something that's out there, but it is something that's real, and it's real to me. Peter wanted to make sure that each one of us understands that and that we have that experience, the knowledge when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, what is our spiritual knowledge, our experience with our walk with the Lord? Listen, guys, have we experienced forgiveness? Have we experienced grace for ourselves in such a way that it's so real within our lives, we desire other people to have that very same experience. Have we experienced the love of God being poured into our life that affects us in such a way uh, that, that, that it affects our life, it affects our merits? Listen, I, I know for me, when I first gave my life to the Lord, because I knew I was a sinner, I can I just sense God washing and, and cleansing me. Uh, Peter is describing us for each and every one of us. Have we experienced the forgiveness, that washing, that cleansing, the, you know, though your sins were scarlet, yet I will make them white as snow, as the Bible tells us. Have we experienced that for our lives? Is it real? Also, have we experienced that within our marriage? And, and is it real? Have you experienced that within your marriage? Where there's been acknowledgement of wrong, confession, humility, forgiveness extended, forgiveness received. Listen, every time I do a wedding and, and the couple, you know, when we do communion, I always love the communion part because I talk to them about, hey, this is what is, it, is communion is all about. It's really about going to the cross and experiencing God's forgiveness, his grace, and then having that as part of the marriage relationship. And yet what I find interesting is the couples are just looking at me because they're just getting married and they're just happy they're getting married and they, they get like, you know, that's never going to happen to us, Pat. <laughs> it's like, yeah, right. Okay. You know, but, but again, once we get married, then all of a sudden we realize, okay, wait, that does happen. And yet what do I do with that? And yet when we allow the cross to be a part of our relationship, forgiveness is always going to be way easier if we're not allowing uh, the cross to be a part of our marriage. Have you experienced that in your life, also in your marriage? Listen, as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about there was a couple here that come to uh, marriage, James and Tina. Most of you guys know them. But when I first met them, we were doing some counseling. And when we got done, I looked at Tina and I said, listen, you need to leave this guy. This, this is just, this is so unhealthy. This is not good. It's just a disaster waiting to happen. And nothing's going to change. And you just need to leave him. And I did, yes. I told, I told somebody that. A few weeks later, Tina's walking up. And I go, hey, Tina, how you doing? Can I pray for you and stuff? And she looks at me. She says, Pat, 
God told me he's going to restore my marriage. And honestly, when she told me that, I wanted to believe her, but I didn't. I wanted to believe, you know what you're telling me is that's really God. But I'm thinking, I'm just not so sure that's God. And yet I'm like, okay, well, and I remember praying for her. A few months later, I see them walking down this hallway right here. As they're walking down, my office was right over here. And I'm walking down. And I see Jim has this really funny little grin on his face. He looks at me. They're holding hands. They're smiling. And Jim just looked at me and says, Pat, do I have a story for you? And a lot of us here have heard their story. But again, let me tell you how that story affected me and the knowledge I gained from that. Because of what God did in their lives, every time I sit with a couple, I believe that God can heal anything. I believe that God can do the miraculous in any relationship because of what I saw God do there. It was miraculous. And because I've experienced that, when I sit with couples, I'm like, you know, guys, I know you're looking at what you're looking at, and you feel there's no hope, you know, that this could never get better. But I'm telling you, I've seen it. I've experienced it in other people's lives. I know that God can heal, that God can forgive, that God can restore, because I have that experiential knowledge. Listen, have you experienced provision of God within your life? How God has taken care of you, even hold you, carried you when need be to do what only God could do, that he would show himself so very faithful in your life. I know I've shared this story before, but I had a good friend and he owed the IRS thousands and thousands of dollars. And, and, and I remember I was standing there and the pastor came up and the pastor was talking to him and said, listen, hey, can we help you out? Is there anything that we can do? And I remember he looked at the pastor and me and he said, you know what? God told me it's not about the money. It's about trusting and believing God. And even the pastor, I looked at the pastor and he rolled his eyes, turned around and walked away like this guy's loony and everything like this. But this was a friend of mine. And I sat and walked with him. I watched him go through for the next quite a few months how God was so faithful. And he kept telling me, Pat, it's not about the money. Now, I don't know about you, but if I owed the, you know, the IRS and they were coming after his house, coming after his business, thousands and thousands of dollars, I wouldn't be saying it's not about the money because I would think it is about the money. But it was, a, and he said, but it was about trusting and believing God because I walked with him through that. You know, now it, things come up and again, and oftentimes I'm reminded because I'm involved in all kinds of other things. And especially if they end up being financial. God always reminds me, Pat, it's not about the money. It's about believing and trusting in God. Again, have we experienced that? Listen, men, can I tell you that, that we're going to have issues and we have issues with our wives and, and, and how are they, how do we walk through those things? And can we look at those issues in the same way, like with him looking at that money thing? It's not about the money. It's about believing and trusting God. Can we look and say, listen, the issues that I'm going through right now with my wife, it's not about really the issue, but it's really about trusting and believing in God. Can I tell you, because I've experienced this firsthand, listen, uh, we're just like every other couple. We have trials, we have problems, we have things that we struggle with, that we try to navigate, we try to get through. 
And yet I have seen when I would be faithful and look to the Lord and cry out to God and, and, and I would pray and ask God to, to, God, would you either change my heart or change her heart? And I'm always hoping that it's just her he's going to change because I think that I am right. And yet I have seen God be faithful every single time. And, and most of the time, listen, God changes my heart. But there are times also where he has changed her heart and I haven't had to bring it up or sit and talk. In fact, I was talking to a buddy of mine today up in Washington and, and I was sharing with him what I was going to be sharing tonight. And he goes, Pat, I lived it last night. And you tell those men, you wait on the Lord. Don't you jump ahead of God and just tell her what, you know, be, even if you're right, you wait on the Lord. And yet again, when we guys would choose to wait on the Lord with those issues and those things, we are going to find God being faithful, moving and working in all of those areas. As we wait upon him, as we look to him, as we trust in him. And again, as Mary read that Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. We say that so simply, but have we actually put it into practice? Are we reminding ourselves? Um, when I first came on staff, Pastor Rob, at that time, he always has all these different sayings, but at that time it was, don't take the bait, don't take the bait, don't take the bait, in a sense of the enemy is always throwing bait out there. The enemy is always trying to cause division and have issues. And when we make it about the issues, we make it about the bait, the enemy just hooks us, and then he kind of reels us in, and, and we just, you know, we, we, we get sucked into things that it's not really what God Wants. And then, unfortunately, we respond in unhealthy ways and we don't navigate it very, very, very right. But Peter would say, guys, I want you to have this experiential knowledge that you've seen God move and work in your heart and life, that you have tasted and seen for your own life that God is real, that he is true, that there, there's no doubt about that, that your trust is in him. And there's no doubt. I mean, we've been in really incredible situations and yet if, if the bottom line is I have to trust God and when I trust God then God is the one who gives me the peace that passes my own understanding because I don't oftentimes understand the things that are going on but God is the one who gives us it this is the spiritual knowledge the intellectual knowledge that he's desiring that we would have each and every one of us and as we allow God to do that work, as we're looking to him, he is going to move and work in ways beyond our understanding. <laughs> and, you know, having us like, okay, I don't believe that, but God can do the impossible if we allow him to do it. So men, again, let's wait. Let's trust God. Again, when those issues come up, don't make the issue the issue. Make it about Jesus Christ because when our eyes are on him, He's the one that can rise. And, and what I find is those issues, they, they take a back seat or they get off the bus, whatever the case may be. But it, it's no longer about that. And then we get that peace. We get the joy. We get the hope that only he can bring us. Amen. Amen. Father, again, we do thank you, Lord, for your word. And as we go through with all of these things that we are called to add, Lord, help us to add these things to our lives. And again, as Mary shared, Lord, this is something that is, is an ongoing thing. It's never just a, a done thing. Okay, I took that, that pill and I'm good to go. 
But this is looking to you, allowing you to do this work in our hearts and lives. And as Peter tells us, if we experience these things, if we allow you to do this work in our hearts and lives, we are not going to be barren. We are not going to be unfruitful. Lord, we are going to be pleasing in your eyes because we're looking to you and allowing you to do that work. And so, Lord, we do thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to gather, Lord. Uh, would you continue to be with each and every one of us couples here, Lord? You know the things we're going through. Some of us, desperate need of you touching and bringing about things within our heart and life, maybe even healing, Lord, within our, our own lives or, or our families. Whatever that may be, God, would you please be what we have need of this night. And we just thank you that we have, because of the blood of Jesus, we have fellowship one with another. And I thank you that we can experience that fellowship even here. So be with us. Continue to watch over us. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. And all God's couples agree by saying, Amen. Amen.